Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 211 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Jacob Miracle, happy yeah. gosh darn new year to yeah. you. Nothing's happened at all since we last recorded a show, so it, you know, it's, it's been, been rather boring. It's been pretty smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. No in, problems at in all. Buffalo, New York. Nothing happened. Yeah, we couldn't even record last time because there was just a tiny bit of snow hanging it's around. A little bit, a little bit. It pushed us back like a week, but... But now it's gone. Yeah, I it's know. like it was never there. It's uh, it's, oh, it's the worst part about that kind of snow, man. It, it makes it messes with your mind. It's just like I know that I lived through seven. Did it happen? There was a seven foot snow drift at the end of my street, and now it's like, oh, now it's nothing. So none of that happened. It's really wild. It's just a shame. So many people died. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's hard to really understand since I wasn't out walking in it to be like, wow, you just. I don't know why you would go. I mean, I guess I, mean, I wasn't in that situation, but to. like. Yeah, man, that was, that was a bad storm. I was just sitting in my house, not doing nothing. Well, you know what's crazy is hearing all this after. So um, my sister-in-law and her husband were coming in for Christmas, and they drove from D.C. So like a six-hour drive. Mm, good times. So by like hour 11 <laughs> of being in the car, because it was getting super bad, but they were like, but we're just, we're practically there. Like we're we're so close. Famous last word. That's when what they the got said. to Chitawaga, it was, they were like, we can't see anything like we can't see a single thing so they looked up a hotel and there was a hotel a mile away and then they got out and walked to the hotel yeah and i'm like you are so lucky that you survived because people didn't she was like we couldn't see where we were walking like we didn't know if we were on a road or on a sidewalk or anything it was so bad they were just like following the gps to guide them so it's pretty bananas i couldn't get out of my house for a couple of days there until it was like oh i gotta start shoveling this super heavy snow but now it's a new year. It is. Everything Brand new one. is fresh and new as we like to pretend. No, nothing, like I said, nothing happened. Right. There's an Avatar movie out. That's, uh, everybody seems to be enjoying that. I, that is not for me, but I'm happy for everybody else. So as we are apt to do at the end of the year, beginning of the new year, is already go back into our past mm-hmm. and talk about what we loved the most in 2022. Um, Which actually had some good movies. It did. It took a a while. and I did. I didn't go to the theater as often as I used to, so there's a lot of stuff I think I missed. But we're going to go over our top films, and I'm going to also add in some of my favorite books of the year. And maybe it'll sound like something you want to check out. Yeah, Michelle's going to be the intellectual one of the group, as always. <laughs> like, don't uh, She's going to be doing all the smart stuff. So. I have a feeling we're going to share a lot of the same movies. Oh, well, maybe one or two. I don't know about a whole bunch okay. of them. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So the first one I know we will share, um, probably my favorite movie of the year, which was Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yep, we definitely agreed on that that's one. That's your number one also? Yeah, that's a really good movie, man, like surprisingly. I mean, Super, very simple premise. When an interdimensional simple in quotation marks rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in its balance. Now, luckily, Nothing. thanks to Marvel, we all know what the multiverse is, of course. I don't. I definitely I don't kn- watch Marvel. I'm especially Michelle. She's definitely right on top of it. So this is directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Sheenert, collectively known as the Daniels. That makes sense. Easier. This film, though, this is like, 
an absolutely hilarious, big-hearted sci-fi action adventure that has an exhausted Chinese woman, um, Michelle Yao. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Michelle Yao. Yeah. Love her so much. Oh, she's been fabulous since she first, before she came to America. As soon as we saw her. And, I mean, really the main premise is she just can't seem to finish her taxes. Nope. And from that, they create such an astounding movie. Like, it's really her lead. She's absolutely fantastic, but I mean, it lives up to its title. It is the most brilliantly bananas movie of 2022. I mean, and you got like, uh, I can't, oh man, I can't remember the short round from uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, that playing was really husband. great to see him. Like that dude comes out of retirement, and all of a sudden he's getting all kinds of like best supporting actor it's buzz really flying great. around him. When I was watching the film, I was staring at him, and I was like, familiar, familiar, and then pieced it together and was like, oh, my God. I, can't I know, right? It. When, once it, like, hits your brain, you're like, it can't possibly be. This guy looks exactly the same as when he was in The Goonies. But I know. Sure enough, he looks exactly the same. He's aging very well. He's getting all kinds of work now, too. But, like, this, it's also a deep movie because, like, at the end, you might get a totally different understanding of what the movie's even about than yes. somebody you watch it with, which is a good part of that. The only complaint... And this is a big complaint, and I had to close my eyes. I'm just going to give a spoiler oh. so that you can all protect yourselves. I know exactly what you're talking about, that yeah. That scene where they do the paper cuts between the webs of Ooh. his fingers. Oh, I forgot about that one. I cannot. Oh, oh no. Mm. The other one I'm not going to talk about, but we know what yeah. we're talking oh. about there. Ooh, but. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The paper cut scene, yeah, I forgot about that until you – because I think I, too – just fast forward. I literally had to like close my eyes. I was like, I can't. That is brutal. But it's an it's a super super oh. fun film. If you somehow haven't checked it out yet, make sure that you do. And then I'm gonna talk about my favorite fiction book of the year. Let's do it. Which is called Properties of Thirst by Marianne Wiggins. Oh, I wonder what this can go a couple of different ways here. So this is a really wonderfully crafted novel. It's gonna remain with me for a long time. I feel like that could happen with others. There's two storylines. They're both taking place north of Los Angeles during the early 1940s as World War II is beginning in the U.S. So one of the storylines follows this ranching family. Um, The patriarch is Rocky, and he's in this long-term fight with the city of L.A. over water, which they've Mm. diverted from his valley to the city, which is what L.A. did. They, yeah. they ruined a whole town by stealing their water. And don't, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. I know. His wife died when his two children um, were three years old. So many of the aspects of the novel deal with how the children, particularly the daughter, try to overcome the loss of their mother. And then the other major storyline follows Schiff, who's a Jewish lawyer from Chicago. He was sent to California by his employer, which is the U.S. government, to be the government's administrator of Manzanar, which is one of the 10 Japanese internment camps that was oh. created by the U.S. government after Pearl Harbor. Yeah, come stop at the library, re- look up on that little bit of history, everyone. You're if gonna... you want to feel really yeah. terrible. So, of course, these two storylines intersect in many wonderful ways, and it's just a story of family, of place, of war, of loss, of grief. There's the comfort of food in there, mm-hmm. about water, about land. The goodness of people and love, it's really, really extraordinary novel. And what's bananas, too, is that the writer, right before she was finished, like rounding it out, she had a massive stroke. Ooh. And she was in the hospital for a really long time, kind of lost her speech, her memory. And her daughter spent like a year or more like helping her, but reading her her book to help mm. her be able to craft the ending to it because it was a story that the writer didn't even remember. 
But when she was hearing it, she was like, oh, I really like this. This is a really good book. She's, she's like, like, it's your book. Yeah, it's like, I, I got a couple, I think I have a couple cue cards or something sitting around, like hidden around the house with the yeah. ending. So sometimes I wonder if it's not the ending we would have gotten, but mm-hmm. it still satisfies and it's an excellent book. So check out yep. that you, one. Is it, a, is it a good ending? Or is it, were you like, now knowing this, you were like, um. It's a good ending. But I think there's a chance it would have been a different ending. Okay. But I'm still okay with it all in all favorite books. So, all right, my friend, what you got? All right, so you know me. My favorite movie there is going to be something genre-y. So, actually, I'm going to go with The Batman was my top film of the year. In my top ten. Oh, see? That's rare when you actually like like a comic book movie. Yes. So, this one adapts The Long Halloween, which is a very famous Batman story Mm -hmm. about somebody killing over the course of a year. Shrinks it down, of course. But basically... It's the Riddler, one of his famous villains, is going out, and he wants to decide that he wants to prove the, all the corruption in Gotham City. So then a brand-new Batman who's just on the case here is trying to get to the bottom of it before and find out what he's even doing, what's it all got to do with his family, because his father and mother are all wrapped up in this conspiracy as well. It's just really good movie, surprisingly um, a good performance by Robert Pattinson, too. Surprisingly, he's one of our top actors, Jacob. No, I know. It's just like when that casting first came out, it was kind of like, it's interesting, but a little weird. Like, I didn't know how he was going to be able to handle it, but I feel like Matt yeah, Reeves, who's good. one of my favorite sci-fi genre directors, directors, period, I guess, but okay. who needs to learn how to do short movies. I'm just saying, bro, everything's over <laughs> two and a half, three hours here. Um but he made it so we sp- he spends a lot of time in the Batman outfit, and then his Bruce Wayne is always all tortured, which once you see all that, you're like, well, you're perfect with Pattinson there. Yeah. If he gets to sit underneath some rain and have like it all dripping down his head and have wet hair, he is in his glory. In and it. if we all get to look at Zoe Kravitz for many hours, we're okay with that, too. That is not too bad either. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe not so much Colin Farrell in this movie. Uh He's having a weird his weird time with all He's that makeup. He's good though, but it I mean You can't even tell it's him if you, you didn't sure know. Sure can't. Um yeah, there's a lot of villains in this movie. It's it's a longer movie, like I said, it's three hours long, but it is worth every bit of it, man. I saw that one in theaters, so Yeah, I had to go too and it, I was well very happy that I did and that I never get bo- never got bored when I was watching it, which is always a trick with the three-hour movies because you got that soft middle where yeah. you start, your eyes start to wander a little bit. But. I really like the story of Batman, which is it's the only comic book movie that I usually will check out. Although sometimes, don't you just sit like every now and then and think, if Bruce Wayne used all of his money to maybe help the impoverished people of Gotham and you know gave it towards the city that maybe they wouldn't even need Batman to stop crime because the, the poverty rate would be different. There have been a couple <laughs> comic books that have pointed out that little fact. Oh, are they? Yeah, okay. there are a couple of villains actually pointed out that he's like, if you just tried to help people, we wouldn't have to be, this wouldn't be going on. Kind of, if you didn't spend all your money on like a Batcave and a Batmobile and stuff like that. I mean, but. You're not supposed to pay attention to that one. You're supposed to pay attention to the, the vigilante beating up the possibly guilty people without trial or arrest or anything. But we're not going to get too deep into the whole we're Batman thing. <laughs> it's a fabulous movie, though. It really is. Um, but over the blizzard, I watched Michael Keaton original Batman, and I'm mm. sorry, nobody's topping it. It's not toppable. You didn't, you didn't go to Clooney or Kilmer? No, I don't do do that. Michael Keaton is the only Batman. You still watch Affleck. Affleck's pretty good as Batman, surprisingly. Mm. Last two have been good, but... I fell asleep in that movie, but... I know you did, and (laughs) I think a lot of people wanted to. I was... We're not going to talk about Batman versus Superman, man. I'm going to start talking about Martha, and I'm just going to get madder and madder. All right, then. Let's move on. What do you got that's good? Okay. So my next film would be Tar. 
Oh my God! See that one? I've all I'm doing now is seeing advertisements and award stuff for. T- I don't even know what it's about. Yeah, man. I know it's, it's going to win Best Picture this year. It looks it's like. wild. So we have Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr, the groundbreaking conductor of a major German orchestra. Okay. We meet Tarr at the height of her career. She is preparing both a book launch and a much anticipated live performance of Mahler's Fifth Symphony. And in this classical music world. This is like a, a big deal. She's the all-star. Okay. And then over the ensuing weeks, her life begins to unravel in kind of a singularly modern way. Okay. And the result is a kind of searing examination of power and its impact and durability in today's society. Hmm. That sounds like I'm going to get a lot of crying Kate Blanchett in that movie. Or screaming, oh, no. She's screaming or crying. One of the neither. Two. Really? Neither one. Hmm. I right, mean... It's fascinating because who knew that two and a half hours of conversations about classical music, art, sponsorship, and sexual politics could be so tense and gripping? Where did that last part come from? We're talking about music here and then sexual politics are coming in. Oh, boy. It definitely comes into it. I will say, like, you're going to feel maybe a smidge dumb when you're watching it because it's not really my language. Like, I enjoy classical music, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's like, you go ahead, talk, enjoy yourselves, guys. I'm, I'm I'm a spectator in this one. Yeah, so a lot of the conversations would happen, and Andrew and I would be like, that was really powerful. I know 25% of what they were talking about. But shockingly, it doesn't take away from the film. The film still really, really works. Um, Yeah, that's why it's my number two of the year. Check that out. And then another fiction book, so good, is Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. Oh, that sounds relaxing. Oh, my gosh. So Sea of Tranquility takes us on a trip through time and space. It's kind of the main elements. It's very in typical St. John Mandel fashion. She did um, Station Eleven. Oh, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, I do know that. So the narrative leaps back and forth across centuries in this one from Earth to colonies on the moon. And this story always touches on really mind-bending topics of time travel and metaphysics. And then as the stories happening in the book, they kind of weave together and they overlap. We begin to see the recurring theme in each one until it all comes together in like the big picture at the end. But it's like your head's not going to hurt if you read this. Um, I just watched Interstellar the other day, and I understood it. So I think I am ready for this It needs kind of multiple viewings, that film. Um, But she doesn't allow the science in this movie to overwhelm the story. Um, And there's not much more I can say without talking on and on about these weird intersecting storylines. But it's breathtaking. Uh, It has like a a really mind-blowing... complex storyline. Uh, yeah, I think Emily St. John Mandel is one of my favorite authors now. I've enjoyed all three of her books that I've read immensely, so check out Sea of Tranquility. Huh, I think I actually might, man. That sounds pretty pretty good there. Yeah. You look at you pointing out, who would have think that on your best of the year list you'd have good stuff on it? <laughs> who would have thunk it? All right, so talking about stuff that's good from a certain perspective, <laughs> my next choice is the now second, but was the biggest movie of the year, Top Gun Maverick. It, also on my top 10 list. Oh, that movie. This movie, man, it is everything that you want a Tom Cruise and a sequel to be. It is just so good. It, it was has, really fun. So for a movie that's for a sequel to a one-off that has really no business existing in the first place, it is just a fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, it's basically Tom Cruise comes back as Maverick. His name's Pete, in case you didn't know that. They don't ever use it, but yeah. it's in there. Um, who basically is getting grounded, but 
because of all his shenanigans and hijinks, considering he's still a captain after like 40 years in the yeah. Air Force. It's not good, people, in case you didn't know. So he basically sent back to Top Gun to teach a new group of uh, um, pilots, um, train them up for a dangerous mission that's coming on, one of which is the son of good old Goose. Uh, what a great little thing they did there. That's oh, yeah. Perfection. I would, I maybe wouldn't have liked somebody besides Miles Teller. That'd be nice. But Oh, I think he's super talented. Oh, that mustache, though. It was just, it was the whole time, it's just all up in your face. And I'm like, I, well, why do we have to do that, man? Like, I, get, 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 it doesn't it. work for many. No, mustache is a hard look to pull <laughs> off. So if you can do it, more power to yeah. you. Um, but it's a perfect example of why. Tom Cruise is such a legendary actor at this point with the just the stunt work alone because everything in this movie is real, which is always awesome to see. Like I mean, 90% of it. There's, you're not blowing and up. And you kind of get that that point of view of the Jets, like you're in it. And I was like, this is actually like really trippy. Like my heart, at one point I was like, oh, my heart's racing. So I know that I'm like really experiencing it. Yeah, and the fact that you know like anytime, maybe the other actors you'll question, but if you see Tom Cruise in a jet like going side to side at high rates of speed, he's really doing that. So you can actually yeah. know that everything you're seeing is real. And it was a big old note for me, by the way, some of those jet scenes, pretty much all of them. <laughs> I don't like flying to begin with. Same. So when the, they're literally stopping a plane in midair by pulling up the nose and killing the tires and then going straight no mm -mm, i don't want to deal with any of that yeah but if you're looking for an awesome flying movie good and one of the best sequels of all time you have to say it at this point check out top gun not even going to get too mad for their uh their remixed volleyball scene in there which confused me but it was all right I it guess. was fun i liked the callbacks yeah him on his motorcycle like although i'm yeah. like tom cruise how do they let you do that without a helmet I, they, your brains they were this close <laughs> they were this close to making a tom cruise movie where he didn't run until the very end and then i'm like oh there he goes how dare they he wrote it in he's like did i not run in this movie we gotta do a reshoot can you just day. not wait for the next mission impossible oh my oh. god the part one of two it's gonna be oh we don't talk about the enough like we go on and on and on about bond which is good but like i feel like we don't talk enough about like some Ethan of the, the bond movies are hit or miss though oh like, yeah some are good some are not as good those mission impossibles have not missed yet yeah the worst one is still better than correct half of the bond movies yeah the ethan hunt is basically the american bond at this point like, yeah he just hasn't been played by anybody else but this character that Cruise has now. What they got him doing this one? Jumping from space, riding I mean, motorcycles off a cliff. It's every time the you go motorcycle to theater, off the cliff with the parachute, and you just watch the directors and everyone like standing there, like ready to throw up. Did you just <laughs> see that random commercial that he put out about film? Where he, it's just Tom Cruise, and he's just like, okay, I'm gonna jump out of this plane. You're gonna come with me, and he's just talking to it about film, and just while he's skydiving, like, why? Why are you doing this, Tom Cruise? He's our favorite crazy little man. He is. Oh, yeah, yeah. You forget all about the couch. If he's gonna keep doing jet planes and riding motorcycles off yeah. stuff, he can jump on all the couches. Go back to our Tom Cruise episode where we just go. We, like, really we, fangirl out about him. We gush. I actually <laughs> heard about a movie that I have never heard of at Tom Cruise, like his first movie, and I got to go check it out. What's it called? It's called Losing It. No, I don't know it. Mm, it's a little sex romp, apparently, so I'm very curious to see what oh, that's boy, all about. Oh, boy, this perv here. All right, moving on. My next favorite movie would be The Fablemans. Oh, the Spielberg one, huh? Yeah. I was wondering if that was going to be any good. It is. Okay. It is good. So we have... Why did I doubt she, um, Spielberg? I don't know. That is questionable. Well, probably because you saw Ready Player One. But oh, we yeah. have young Sammy Fableman falls in love with movies after his parents take him to see The Greatest Show on Earth. So armed with a camera, he starts to make his own films at home. Um, much to the delight of his very supportive mother, who's played by Michelle Williams. This is part memoir 
and part ode to the power of movies um, that really finds Spielberg kind of digging at his own family roots that helped him become a beloved filmmaker. And it's really fun because you are watching it and you're definitely thinking of Spielberg the whole time as a young person. And kind of like to call this movie like a labor of love is almost diminishing because he puts everything into it. Like how old does the Spielberg, like, I don't know what they call him, Alan Spielberg or whatever they name him. Alan Fableman or whatever his name is. Sammy Fableman. Sammy, okay. How old is like the Spielberg one supposed to be? Like, is he still like a kid or does it go to like when he's getting older? It's like probably age six to er, very early 20s. Okay. All right. So right around Jaws time. Then. So right. you get, you see him kind of enter into the Hollywood world and then they just kind of leave you there because we really know a lot of the rest of the journey. Got little be bearded George Lucas and like a, like a <laughs> um, Scorsese running around on the outside. It's it's really nice. It's another long film, but you don't feel it. It didn't. It wasn't a task to sit through it. Um, you get a lot of like the family dynamic is very interesting. So he went really personal. You know, he changed things up, obviously. Oh yeah. But you definitely see see a lot of him. It's cute. I'm loving this year. In fact, that they have so many good long movies. Like last year, they had some stinkers that were short that were like up for best picture that you had to watch and you're just like oh I'm pulling my hair out watching parts yeah, of it's kind of nice sitting through like a film and you're like oh I'm not yeah. bored I'm not anxious I, I'm Unless having I'm a sitting, good time sitting down drinking some tea watching a movie it's a good old time <laughs> okay and then another book this is I don't know I just love these books so much this is called The Immortal King Rao nice. by Vuhini Vara I like everything about that title and author name Such a good book in an Indian village in the 1950s this precocious child is born into a family of Dalit coconut farmers okay Okay Somehow he will grow up to be the most accomplished tech CEO in the world and eventually the mm-hmm. leader of a global corporate led government Okay. I love those kind of future tales. So in this future world, which is run by a board of corporation, King's daughter, Athena, is kind of reckoning with his legacy. I mean, literally because she's been given access to all of his memories. Okay. Thing that they can do in the future. And then a big part of it is there's climate change is raging in the world. And Athena has come to believe that saving the planet and its shareholders, because that's what we're all called now, will require this really radical act of communion. And she kind of sets out to tell the truth to the world um, about King's childhood and everything about him, his migration to the U.S., what he studied, how the world was transformed by globalization. Um it's really fascinating, especially if you like those kind of... I do like a dystopian future. Exactly. And it's not like a depressing dystopian unless you're like me and you find globalization really depressing. But this book was written by a former Wall Street Journal technology reporter. Oh, so um, at least it'll have some le- legit stuff in there. It really does. It's a resonant debut novel. It really obliterates the boundaries between literary and speculative fiction, which I like when it's a sci-fi book, but you're like, no, this is like a literary book. It's excellent. Okay. Um, See, the thing about like the government's all being capitalism is, you know, at the end of the world, it's bad for business. So they got to try to stop that at I all mean, costs. Can't make money if ain't nobody alive no maybe. more. Maybe. And point. this really confronts that, like how we arrived at the age of technological capitalism and where our actual might take us next. It's really daring, and yet it's really beautifully written. So check out The Immortal King, Rao. Oh, okay. You know what? You've inspired me to dig uh, with one of the craziest movies you're going to see this year. 
It is RRR from India. Did you see this movie? I also did see RRR. I'm not even going to spend much time talking about it because I just want people to go in there. By the second scene where my man is just jumping into a crowd and just going for it, I was all in for this again so this three is, hour movie. It's like Bollywood, but it's not. It's Tollywood because it's not. Yeah, it's like, and it's the biggest movie India's ever made. It is like nothing I've ever seen before, no. I can say. No, no, no. You, if you could go in this movie cold, you are just going to have your jaw <laughs> on the floor after the first and first 20 minutes of this movie. You're like, what is happening? It's hard to recommend because you can't recommend it as like a straightforward movie. No, 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 no. You really can't. There's just wildness happening on. I mean, there's just complete chaos and mayhem, and you're just like, "What is going on right oh, now?" That one scene. It's like ten minutes long, and it's just a montage of their bromance stuff. Yeah, oh, just <laughs> like what? You almost the parts think like, "Is Seth MacFarlane working on this movie?" This is just and all it's over so the place. long. And it, it just it's keeps so happening. Every time you're like, "When is this movie over?" And then it's like, "Oh, we're gonna go ahead and have another crazy fight scene." for you like for no good reason i mean it's like the goofiest yet most violent movie in one with amazing dance numbers of, of course because if you yeah that's what you want <laughs> if you're going to watch a movie from india like i heard people talking about it so i'm like i'm going to check it out it's on um netflix and available so and uh, then i watched them like that was fantastic i see why everybody's like i want to see it on the big screen or it was definitely fun i will say that i have three times since i watched it because i will never be watching the whole movie again no but i watched <laughs> that dance scene Oh, okay, yeah. Three additional times. Anytime you get people um, with Bollywood music and some I mean, choreographed the dancing. The whole dance is called jump on one leg and kick the other leg as violently as you can. Like, that's the whole dance, and I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's simplicity, and the, the, the directions are right in the name. Like, what else do you need? It's just go check it out, everyone. It's, it's, you're going to have a good time. It's really silly. Do do another one. I feel like I've been chanting too uh, much. That's fine. Um, so the next one I'll go with is the actual uh, Prey, the new Predator movie uh, that debuted on Hulu this year. Have you checked it out? I think Andrew had it on once. I watched like 10 minutes and I was like, this is not for me. Yeah, it's a Predator movie. I'm surprised you got through any of it. Really, it doesn't really. I don't mind Predator, but just like the first one is the only Predator I've ever seen. Oh, well, you can watch the Adrian Brody one. That one's pretty good, surprisingly. Okay. Um, but Prey, uh, it's basically a Predator movie set back in the 1800s where a uh, Predator comes down and gets into a fight with a bunch of local Native Americans. Sure, yeah. Um, with their uh, young sister being the lead one taking them on. And. It, what seems like a premise that shouldn't work to begin with, it just doesn't make sense why the Predator would have any problem defeating people basically with bows and arrows and stuff. You actually see that, like, again, humans have been outsmarting these dudes for thousands of years, and it's why they keep coming back here to fight us is because uh, we're too dang good at defending ourselves. Um, but this movie actually has a good story, good of fighting, and a good, like, Effects, which unfortunately got a little rare with the last couple of Predator movies because they were pretty trash by the okay. end. Okay, I have been seeing that people enjoyed it, and I was like, really? Yeah, surprisingly, it works. If they're going to start, if this is the new direction that they're going to do with Predator movies. They're just going to plot Predators down in, like, random parts of history. That means we're going to get, like, a samurai Predator movie. We'll get to, like, get some um, aboriginals throwing <laughs> boomerangs at them. It'll be fantastic, dude. Anything, just anything we can handle. Oh, so, so good. I can't, uh, Just go check it out, man. It's a good time. I'm going to keep it in mind. Give it, give it a shot, man. Keep it in mind. Watch it in the original because they recorded it in, um, I think, I forget which language it was, but it's like the original native language and in English, and you can watch it in either version. So Okay, that sounds good. Okay, next one for me is The Banshees of Inishirin. I, I wanted to watch that, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. 
I'm surprised. It's on Oh, it's on. Yeah, HBO? it's on Max, man. I just haven't like gotten around to it yet. I do like me some Colin Farrell. This is some of Martin McDonough's finest work. I'm Which is say. saying something, because yes. that guy's got some good movies on his belt. It is a pair of outstanding lead performances. So on a remote island off the coast of Ireland, Padriac, who's played by Colin Farrell, and his buddy Colm, who is Brendan Gleeson, who I love so much, they find themselves at an impasse when Colm unexpectedly puts an end to their friendship. So with help from his sister and this other troubled young islander, Padriac, who is refusing to take no for an answer with being friends with this guy, so he sets out to repair the damaged relationship by any means necessary. However, as Colm's resolve only strengthens to not be friends, he soon delivers an ultimatum that leads to these really shocking consequences. That sounds like the movie gets violent in the end. That's what that sounds like. It gets, that's not correct exactly, but it gets something. This is very, it is deeply affecting. It's really warmly humorous. It's beautifully active. It's gorgeously photographed. Um, I'm not sure how you could find complaint with this film I think it's really everyone will enjoy it, and especially if you're a person who loved In Bruges, seeing these two actors back together. Which it's it a feels big draw great. for. It. I feel like I not even have to think about if I need to turn captions on for this movie because I feel like I'll be swimming in the accents that they're going to be throwing around if I don't. It's it's okay. okay. I'm going to say that I didn't need to do that. So like you really right, do good. piece it together. Sometimes, man, you get the actors like around like. People with like from their own areas, like, I understand they, they just that. fall right back into it. Like, you're like I don't know what you just said, dude. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. trying. <laughs> it's like watching Downton Abbey sometimes, and they're talking oh, yeah. fast. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I remember the me. first two episodes of Downton Abbey. I'm like, I'm not gonna make it through the show, and no, then I, I figured. Can it out. only understand the old lady when she's being mean because yeah. <laughs> she knows to talk slower. Oh, I miss that Any show American. <laughs> all the time. Did you watch that second movie yet? I know I. Have. I have not watched the second movie. It's yet. staring at me on Peacock. Oh, right? I will. I mean, I can't wait. And then a book that <laughs> this is like the nerd in me but I don't care. Nope. I loved it. This is a nonfiction book, and it is called The Reign of Wolf 21, nice. The Saga of Yellowstone's Legendary Druid Pack by Rick McIntyre. Okay, Kevin Costner this is going to sound bananas, but this is a compelling follow-up to the national bestseller The Rise of Wolf 8 by Rick McIntyre, and it profiles one of Yellowstone's most revered alpha males, Wolf 21. You would not, I love wolves in general, so number one, I'll put that out there, that's my favorite animal. These books, they're freaking awesome. We have, we're following this Wolf 21, because a lot of these wolves are microchips, so they can follow them all around. He's the leader of his pack, he was known for his unwavering bravery, he had a really unusual benevolence for wolves, like, a lot of alphas, when you're fighting other wolves, like they kill the wolves. He never killed a wolf that he defeated. He would always let them go. He had this really fierce commitment to his mate, which is Wolf 42, and it's freaking beautiful. They came together as leaders of this druid peak pack, and they dominated Yellowstone National Park for more than 10 years. So Until, of course, his brother Scar threw him from the, stuff. got ran over by a wildebeest. I don't know what to say. Like It's really a fascinating saga, and it explains how important reintroducing the wolves to um, Yellowstone were. It's an outstanding work of science writing, and you get these really unparalleled insights into wolf behavior, which, again... You should be interested in it if you're going to you pick should. it up. They're, they're very you know, fascinating creatures. And this sounds crazy, but it also offers a love story for the ages between these two wolves. 
it's really spectacular. There are four books in the series. I've read three of them. I have loved the three of them so much. I can't wait for the fourth. Is it not out yet? Like he's it just writing. came out. Okay, see? We got, we got a whole saga about wolves, man. I'm really angry that when I went to Yellowstone, like I knew there was wolves there, but I felt like the odds of seeing them were 0%, mm-hmm. so I didn't attempt it. And in reading these, like you absolutely can if you're in the right area and you're there early enough, so I'm going to make that a goal at some point. Yeah, those wolves are like, yeah, we're going to be afraid of the humans. Yeah, that's that's why we're avoiding well, it. We're not too worried about it. It's bad guys. not to be totally afraid, but it's awesome. Andrew, actually, for Christmas, we're going to Pennsylvania, which has a wolf sanctuary. Oh, okay. And they have like a full moon tour my, to walk and see the wolves, so I'm super jazzed My about brother that. actually uh, sponsors a wolf out in like Washington State. So. I did that when I was younger. He's got his, little, got his little picture, his little yeah, name so on there. It is so cute. <laughs> They're pretty cute animals. Um, I'm just going to give a quick special shout out here to Ambulance, uh, the Michael Bay movie that just came out with uh, Jake Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, The only, the main reason I want to see, it's actually a pretty good movie. Like, you know, they uh, um, abduct some uh, ambulance drivers while they're trying to do a uh, bank heist. That's basically Hmm. the plot of it. Jake Gyllenhaal's the bad guy in this. Um, But the reason it was so fabulous, it brought back the lost art of the squib. Which basically means people get blowing up RoboCop style when they get shot in this movie, which (laughs) I... I am a big anti-CGI uh, blood, which is um, one of the big curses on cinema these days. Yes, when it's just like weirdly shooting out there. Yeah, anytime you get people blowing apart uh, bloody style, yeah. that, that always gets a thumbs up from me. Uh, another one real quick, Terrifier 2, one of those low-budget indie horror flicks. I saw Terrifier 1 Did you? and was mildly terrified. So yeah, I would definitely check out the second one. 2 is good, uh, better than the first one, too long though. It's okay. two hours and 15 minutes. Doesn't need to be two hours not and 15 minutes. Not a horror minutes. film. Not especially not a Terrifier movie. Okay. It's more of the same, but what it did in the first movie was fun. So check Scary it out. Scary clown, man. Can't go wrong. But uh, I can't. the movie that I know is going to be your favorite of the year uh. due to your massive fandom, the unbearable weight of massive talent, the Nicolas Cage I'm movie. like really sad that we never got a chance to watch it together. I know. It was, I know. I just was like, eventually I'm like, I got to check this movie out, man. I got to see what it is. And it's actually a fun little bromance. I believe it. It's not exactly the movie I thought it was going to be. Like there's definitely Nick Cage talking to a mental um, projection of his younger self. I think Vampire Kiss, um, Nicolas Cage is who he's arguing with. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's actually more of a story of two guys that are kind of lost and don't know what's going on. They're a little lost in life, don't know what their next step is. Life's not going exactly how they played it. But, you know, um, oh man, I'm, I can't remember his name right now, but I'll sort of say the Mandalorian, who is the— Pedro something. Pedro Pascal, thank you. Um, he is a uh, rich guy who hires uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage to come to his birthday party, and he's like his biggest fan. And well, at the same time, he— Nicholas Cage gets pulled over by the CIA because this guy may or may not be an international drug lord wow. as well. So the police, of course, as you would, sign up Nick Cage to help bring this guy to justice. Just plot for days there. Oh, it's <laughs> everything you want. Nick Nick Cage is both way over the top and also understated playing a fictionalized version of himself, which is interesting to see when he's actually trying. And I just think people should support this movie because they don't make these mid-budget comedy movies anymore everything's like a big budget blockbuster or it's like a little like one million dollar um art house project Mm -hmm. they don't really make these 30 to 40 million dollar movies and i feel like that's where all the experimental stuff or where the directors get their practice in plus you just get these cool premises like this if you want a basic if you're a Nicolas cage fan you just one of those ones you just have to go watch i know it Oh, it, everything I'm about I'm ashamed it. of myself for not seeing it yet. They, they throw so many references down and everything you just pick up on, but it's never 
it's always kind of like he's both embarrassed and proud of it at the same time. It's very <laughs> interesting to watch the way that they handle it. Love that guy. And not to mention people dunking on Nicolas Cage through parts of this movie, which is pretty pretty. And great he's okay see. with that. I love if you can make fun of yourself. I love you for can't, it. Can't wait to see him play Dracula in that new movie, man. That's going to be something. It is something is correct. Um, okay, my next favorite. This was a really powerful, unexaggerated, true story about the greatest musician of our time which would be weird, the Al Yankovic story. I can't believe I haven't watched that movie yet, man. It looks fantastic. <laughs> it's about from a very conventional upbringing where playing the accordion was a sin, weird Al Yankovic rebels and makes his dream of changing the words to world-renowned songs come true. It's He's an instant success, a complete sex symbol. He lives an excessive lifestyle and pursues an infamous romance that nearly destroys him. So... I loved it. I remember when I first saw the trailer and I was like, what? Yeah, it's like, how are you doing a Weird Al biopic? And then you're like, oh my God, Oh, his whole life's a parody, so of course they're just going to make the movie a parody. It is relentlessly ridiculous in the same way that Weird Al's songs are. I kind of wonder, like, if it's kind of like UHF. Like, I want to watch those two back-to-back because everything I heard about it, it's got the same, like, crazy mental It definitely part. feels a little bit like UHF. It's perfectly wrong, yet perfectly right at the same time. Daniel Radcliffe is an inspired choice to uh, play Weird Al in that as well. I mean, he could not look less like him, but it's like, because I really think that if they were going to make a, a true Weird Al film, that no matter how dead on, it would have been an insufficient celebration of him in his work. Like, it oh, wouldn't yes. work as well as this goofy as heck movie. You know, when we watched it, we, we laughed out loud, so. And you, hey, if you're getting that, that kind of reaction, that's yes. like what you want. You know? Between that and the Bob Ross, uh, Owen Wilson movie that's coming out, they're doing all sorts of fun casting of famous mm. people. Not sure how I feel about that. But then to just complete, go the polar opposite of that film, oh. my nonfiction, another nonfiction book recommendation. Recommendation? I don't know. It's called This Changes Everything, Capitalism Versus the Climate by Naomi Klein. That's a big fight coming up, man. I don't like climate's chances. <laughs> this is the most important book yet and a brilliant explanation of why the climate crisis challenges us to abandon the core free market ideology of our time and restructure the global economy and remake our political systems, which you're reading it and you're like, that's what has to happen for us to live. And you're like, I don't think that's going to happen. What, you mean with <laughs> with visionaries like Elon Musk at the forefront, Ugh. you don't feel like we're going to have a chance exactly, in the future? Exactly, 100%. It's like really either we embrace radical change ourselves or radical changes will be visited upon our physical world. One or the other, guys. It's kind of a binary choice. It's kind not, of status quo no, is no, no gray longer area. an option. Yeah. Um, but it's really intense. Like, I, this is not something you pick up when you're going on vacation and you want a light read. It's a fun beach read, like if you're watch, reading The Leftovers or something it's while sitting on really, the beach. It's really, really heavy, but I felt that it was really crucial, so I had to mention it. I love it. Okay. I love what you're doing there. <laughs> it's all over the place with these crazy choices today, man. Give us a couple more. It's so fun. Do you all have right. more? I do, actually. Okay, so this one, another one that shouldn't be in watchable. It's got a stupid premise right on the top. Well, of it. if you oh. watch it, it doesn't mean it's not stupid and unwatchable. <laughs> But when you add in their pretty awesome marketing campaign that they okay. had going for it, uh, the movie Smile. Now, you do not know the marketing campaign. So if you go back, they actually would hire actors to go to big sporting events or big events that were on camera. Mm -hmm. And they would just hire them to be on camera in the background and just smile, look like 
creepy smile. Creepy smile looking directly into the uh, out the cameras <laughs> the entire time. They hit Major League Baseball. Uh, they hit the National Hockey League. WWE had a couple people um, in the crowd doing it. So it was all over the in place. And the, the, they, like, picked up on it at the sporting Pe- events? They people, were like, what is this? People started noticing, like, on Twitter they were talking about, like, okay. what's up with this person? Like, what's up with this? Like, they would point out, like, they're just, they're just randomly showing That's up. That's cool marketing. So basically this movie is based, uh, some creature that has a horrifying smile that basically gets transferred by people through grief and if once you get tagged by it, you it's like a kind of a ring kind of mm-hmm. situation. You get about a week before this creature is going to come take you over, and then you're going to be the next big old smiley monster. I'm definitely going to watch that next October. Like, that's on my scary movie list. Yeah, I started watching it, and I was like, all right, let me watch this dumb movie and see, like, see how bad <laughs> it's going to be. Because like, horror movies are... They're usually not great nowadays, but this one I was actually quite enjoying for a straight, low-budget horror movie. Okay. Cool premise, cool creature once they introduce it, creepy, just a creep factor with that smile. Oh, people smile in 2022, mm, or 2023 now. Don't do that. Like, There's not a lot to smile about, guy. Just Don't, just no more yeah. smiles. We should get a 100, like a zero vertical um, interface here. Jacob's taking smiles off the table for 2023. Nah, you nah, heard you, it here first. You, we might allow smirks. Maybe smirks. No okay. straight out smiles. Okay, I got it. So that's really funny that you said you kind of sat down to hate watch it, which is what I did with this film, and it ended up being on my top 10 favorite of the year, which is Nope. Oh, Nope, yeah. Why that did was, everybody hate Nope? Uh, that They... Thought the creature was gonna was lame in it, but or something, or they Whatever. just they wanted something like us or. I uh, thought it was out, better than us, but this stars better, definitely better than us. Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, their brother and sister, horse wranglers who discover something sinister in the skies above their California horse ranch, and then we have the owner of a nearby theme park who's trying to profit from this mysterious otherworldly phenomenon. So. I think maybe when people watched the trailer, they were into it because you're like, is it a Western? Is it a horror film? Is it science fiction? Is it satire? And the answer to those questions is yes. Yeah, it is. pretty much. It is all of those things. Uh, including uh, there's a monkey movie in here that they didn't really tell anybody about. That's pretty that. fun. Which I'm still not totally sure why it's in the movie. But nope. it's there. So It's there and it's horrifying. It's something so. about animals in Hollywood is the same. It's like an overall theme of the entire movie. And I'm like, okay, uh, if you say so. Exactly. The film took me by complete surprise. And I was impressed with all of the little details that they included. And I think this is a film that I would watch again to really fully understand it. Yeah, and I always like seeing Michael Wincott pop, pop up in movies, man. Anytime I get that, hear that guy's voice, I'm like, yeah. oh, and Michael Wincott's in this movie. I'm I all think about it. sometimes the movies I go into with the absolute lowest expectations are the ones I end up enjoying the most because it's like if you go in hyped up, it can't live up to it. Mm-hmm. But like, I so I really enjoyed Nope. Um, the last book I'll recommend is called The Stranger in the Woods The Extraordinary Story of the Last True Hermit by Michael Finkel. Um, so it's like, you know, many people dream of escaping modern life. I know of course, I yeah. do often. I've, every day. <laughs> but most people never act on it. But in 1986, 20-year-old Christopher Knight did just that. Isn't he, wasn't the guy from the Brady Bunch? <laughs> he loved his home in Massachusetts. He drove to Maine, and he disappeared into the woods. He would not have a conversation with another person for the next 27 years. Sounds pretty great, gotta be honest. His life is not great when you listen to it. Like... Maine, forest, winters, he was so set on no one finding him, he never lit one fire, Jacob. Mm. No fire. 
27 years. It's it's I, really interesting. It's not very often that I'm like, maybe this guy needs like some kind of psych evaluation pretty quick because that's a crazy thing to do. It's crazy, like, but it's not because it's like when you're listening to him, it's just like what he wanted because they eventually found him. He was arrested because a lot of the stuff he got, he stole well, yeah. from camp houses and stuff. But I think it's a really fun book. It's not that long, so you can kind of sit down. Oh, and actually... The library has a nature book club, and um, this was our, one of our picks last year, oh, and nice. people seem to really enjoy it. Well, so. go check it out, everybody. Get the blueprint of how to like live as a hermit in modern America. Go to Maine, apparently. I think you won't learn from him. He didn't do it totally correctly, but it's well, still... <laughs> better than what's-his-name from uh, up in Alaska, right? He'd do better than that guy. Yeah, that poor kid. Um, want to do like one more to end the show here? Yeah, I'll do a quick one. Uh, you ever want to see uh, Brad Pitt do John Wick on a train and have a whole <laughs> bunch of random celebrity cameos? Check out Bullet Train, everyone. It is... I know you didn't like it, but actually... It's not I that I didn't like it. I legitimately fell asleep watching it because I was tired. That's the second movie in this, that we've talked I about. You're like, I fell asleep during it. <laughs> you turned it into that one. You're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm snoozing. Um, but like, that's what it is. It's basically a amped-up video game John Wick version. Um, on this train, a bunch of assassins all trying to get their hands on a bunch of money. And like Smoking Aces style, they just get introduced with their um, fun nicknames. And they just kind of run into each other, meet up, and try to take each other out, uh, shifting alliances going on. Uh, Brad Pitt having his little psychological issues with this whole thing because he thinks he's cursed, that every time people get around him, they die or just bad mm-hmm. luck follows him. So it's not exactly a deep movie here. It, it's exactly... But a good time. Yeah, it's a good old time. People... I'm to ask you a question. Do you find yourself having any trouble in Brad Pitt films seeing him as the character and not just Brad Pitt now? Oh, I can't. He's just Brad Pitt in a movie. I know, like, but that sucks. That like takes me out of the movie. It I'm does. so aware that everything he's doing is acting. I can't lose myself anymore in his films. Well, like DiCaprio's like that too. They're too big of movie stars now. DiCaprio, I can still well, he's a better actor. I think maybe that's it. Like I can still lose him and he eventually becomes the character, but well, that's when you get to a certain level in Hollywood, man. That's what you got character actors for. Like, a certain it's really point, you're just like George Clooney, what's he ever going to play? It's really true. N- nothing. He's got nothing. He's on a, he, what is he in, like a random movie with uh, Julie Roberts? Another one. I like, mean, what's she going to do? That doesn't look. She's going to do movies with George Clooney the rest of her life. Yeah, it is definitely tricky, but. It's, oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's a fist. Uh, the price of fame, man. You the can't price actually, of You fame. can't actually make <laughs> movies uh, or win Oscars unless you're Margot Robbie because they are just trying to give her one. Doesn't matter how many movies she's in that bomb. Stop bombs. putting her in, like, she needs, like, a stop nice, putting gritty... Her, stop putting her in anything right now. She Amsterdam Give and her, Babylon both bombed. Yeah. She Harley needs Quinn a break. failed. Um, okay, my last movie recommendation is Barbarian. Oh, boy. Did you see it? I did see Barbarian, I actually. I feel you must have also loved this movie. I had a lot of fun with this one, man. Ugh. So we have a girl. She's traveling to Detroit for a job interview, and she books a rental home. But when she arrives late at night, she discovers that the house is double booked, and a strange man is already staying there. And against her better judgment, she decides to spend the evening, but soon discovers that there is a lot more to fear than just an unexpected House guest. Even if that house guest is Bill Skarsgård with his beady eyes. He does have like just the creepiest face and I love it. He, this movie, it's smart. It's smart. Smart. <laughs> I want to say smart and darkly humorous, which now is called smart. And above all, it is scary. 
and it offers a really chilling and consistently unpredictable thrill oh, ride for horror fans. You're not going to be able to tell where this movie's going, man. Like, we're not going to give away any secrets of it, obviously. No, but you're you really. You, even when you think you know what's going to happen, you, don't know. you got no idea what's going to happen. I really down. like this movie. Like, this was very, very enjoyable in the horror world. I would watch it again. Anytime, like, even with, like, Smiles and Mom, anytime you get some, like, new premise that they actually is well executed, it's yes, like, hey, I'm like, going to oh, go watch your movie. This is fresh. Thank you, fresh take. That's and not how, the same thing over and over. That's how you get yourself a franchise or how you get yourself a job with a I bigger know, but I don't budget. want it to be a franchise. Well, I, I don't like think this one. like when they stand alone. Well, the smile was the one I meant for them. Okay. And I know that's going to be a ding. Uh, that's going to yeah. be a series for sure. Birthday smile will be the next oh one. Oh my God, but you're probably right about that actually. We've chatted on and on and on for a long time. I think we should be done. Why don't you plug us up? <laughs> so if there are something in the book form, the movie form, the CD form, any kind of form that you might have missed from 2022 you need to catch up on, stop by your local library. we got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by, let us know what you want, and we'll pick it up for you, get it sent. If we don't have it in stock at that time, we'll make it happen for you. Don't forget to visit our website at www www.buffalolib.org see what kind of programs we got going on uh, it's picking up again folks now that we can actually have people in the building due to not snow blocking all the doors so <laughs> yep. come on in and check it out so these facts that I'm going to end with here these are my favorite facts that I happened to learn this year okay so the first one is that do you know the Star Trek hand gesture for live long and prosper is actually derived from part of a Hebrew blessing that Leonard Nimoy first glimpsed at an Orthodox Jewish synagogue in Boston as a boy, and he remembered it, and that's how it got brought in. Oh, that's pretty cool. I love that. Um, In the 1950s, it took an average of 35 years for a word, once it was coined, to qualify for entry into the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Today, it's just 11 or fewer. Oh. Still a long time, but well, not quite as long. Yeah, but you know, there's much more, many more cromulent words that need to be uh, put in there. So you don't want to like fall short of that. Absolutely. Um, a gasoline lawnmower generates as much pollution in an hour as a 300-mile car trip. Jeez. That's, you think they would be able to make efficient gas well, motors? Well, they have electric ones now. We bought one this year, people. So I'm shilling for the electric lawnmowers. You know, go old school. Get one of the old push ones, man. Um, a cheesemonger mm. is to cheese roughly as what a sommelier is to wine. So, like, they're not a producer of it, but they're a knowledgeable interpreter, and it it. is the job that I'm seeking in 2023. And then the last one I learned last night. Oh, oh, the last night one. The word interabang. Do you know what that is? That is a punctuation mark and an exclamation mark at the end of a word or a sentence. Oh, real? Okay. So it has its own name. So it's intero for interrogation, which is the question mark part, and then bang for the exclamation point. Intero, intero bang. bang. Oh, I like that. I, I like that that I has a word. I how to write it, but I'm, I like the idea of it. I like it so much. But okay, that is it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.